Nation podcast, telling the stories of the beautiful game. I'm your host, Dustin Nation. Welcome. This is episode three of the FC Nation podcast, and this episode is the next in my series where I talk to owners of lower division sides. Last episode, I spoke to Damon Gochner, who is in the process of becoming an owner by starting Denton Diablos FC. This time, I met up with a slightly more seasoned owner. He's a businessman who lives in the Dallas area, so we sat down at the Thirsty Growler in the Colony, Texas, for a chat and a pint or two. He's owned and been involved in lower division teams in England with Alfreton Town and Bradford Park Avenue, in California with Napa Valley 1839, and is now the owner of Bug Eaters FC in Nebraska. His name, Jonathan Kalura. Jonathan shared the story of how he became an owner and what it's like to own a team remotely. He also talked about what he's trying to accomplish and what the challenges are in owning a lower division team in the current U.S. soccer ecosystem. And of course, he filled me in on what exactly a bug eater is. Jonathan is a wealth of knowledge and is very generous with his time. In fact, after we finished recording, he stuck around and we talked for over an hour about soccer in the U.S. and abroad. So, let's get right to that interview. Here's Jonathan Kulura. Hey Jonathan, thanks for joining me tonight. Yeah, glad to be here. Apologize about the noise. We're at uh, one of my favorite haunts, the uh, Thirsty Growler here in in the Colony, Texas. Thanks for joining me for a pint. Absolutely. You nothing nothing beats having a pint and talking to the game. You betcha. In fact, I think they they probably should go together. <laughs> like there's a, a sacred pairing there. I think. Well, they absolutely do. You know, Bug Eaters has its own beer. No way. Yeah. So we partnered with uh, Backswing Brewery in Lincoln, Nebraska, and created a. Uh, a great beer that goes well with with watching the game, and it's called Bug Eaters Golden Ale. It Golden sounds delicious. G O A L D E N. I like a good a good, a good uh, dad joke, as my buddy Jay Riddle would call it. So. I am all about the dad jokes. That sounds awesome. It sounds delicious and amazing. Yeah. So, so yeah, yeah. So uh, I, I'm I'm a believer that they absolutely uh, go hand in hand. So nice. Well, let's let's uh, go ahead and let's let's get this out of the way right up top. Bug eaters. What what it for non-Nebraska people? What is a bug eater? So a bug eater. Well, it's a nickname for native Nebraskans, and it comes from the 1800s. Um, a couple different stories there. One is is that you know there was a bat called a bug eater, uh, and then you know it was most populous bird in the state, so to speak. And the second is, is the, the one that I like, the one that got the nickname to stick, is that uh, Nebraska had a drought, so to speak. A uh, plague came in and ate all of the crops. So Nebraskans had nothing to eat but bugs. And the best part about the name is, is you know, native Nebraskans uh, appreciate it. Those who don't uh, think we're absolutely insane. And we're okay with both. I think the, uh, the latter is, is the one that I much prefer. Um, one of my favorite things was somebody on Twitter uh, had some mentioned they had somebody come up to him and thought it was pronounced boujate and it was French. Uh, that's that one stuck with me. I, I think that's fantastic. So, you know, regardless of what it is, we wanted to be different. We wanted something that stood out, and uh, 
definitely wanted to be unique, but, but true to Nebraska. I definitely like that better than what I had going through my own mind. So, like, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, so let's talk about you a little bit, Jonathan. All sure. right. So give us a little bit about your background and kind of what led you, led up to you starting up Bug Eaters. Sure. Sure. I'll go back to, you know, the early 90s. Um, I really became a big fan of the game. Um, you know, I was going to Creighton games all the time at Tranquility Park in Omaha. And, um, you know, followed that team. They had a lot of success. Uh, Bob Warming was the coach at the time. He's now at UNO. And uh, went to the University of Nebraska and, uh, you know, really started following English football religiously. Um, I've been a Crystal Palace fan my whole life. Um, I'm not opposed to Crystal Palace fan because I don't think any of those even exist. So... uh, but, you know, the nice thing for me is as my career in, you know, finance has developed, uh, it's, it's allowed me to uh, become an entrepreneur in the game. Um, I've been an entrepreneur in finance uh, since 2011 when I started my own company. And so it's allowed me to have uh, the game as kind of a hobby. Uh, my first investment was into a team in England in 2015. Um, I've been involved in uh, multiple teams in England. I've had a team uh, in Napa Valley, California. Uh, two guys out there, fantastic business partners. I ended up selling my stake to them uh, to focus on bug eaters. And, you know, I, I talk to those guys all the time. Uh, you know, we, we had a lot of success out there and they're, they're doing fantastic things. And I don't think it gets any better than Napa for uh, having a team. Uh, out there, it's not a pint; it's a, it's a bottle, so yeah. a bottle of wine. So my wife would like that better than I would. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but you know, I've been talking to uh, leagues about Omaha and Lincoln and the state of Nebraska as a whole because there's been a gap there. Um, and so you know, finally, I just decided to pull the trigger and launch Bug Eaters. Um, it's been a fantastic success. Uh, the community is a soccer community. It's definitely a developing soccer community as well. But um, somebody said to me today, you know, soccer in Nebraska is, you know, really starting to take. And, and I kind of went back and said, no, no, I mean, early 90s, soccer was, was big. It's just that now the community is really starting to embrace and recognize it. And, you know, that's where we can, we start filling the gap. Awesome. So... You're here in Dallas, and the team is in Nebraska. So you started, like, what is it like to own a team that's remotely? Like, is there, are there? I owned a team in England. Oh, that's, (laughs) right. Okay, so so how does that work? So from a a remote standpoint, it's this, is that, you know, (laughs) with some of my companies, I I own companies that aren't in Dallas. And so the nice thing about being in Dallas is, is that I can jump on a plane and be, be in Nebraska in 90 minutes. Um, and, you know, same thing with with England, as an example. I can jump on a plane and be there in 10 hours. Mm-hmm. But um, for me, it's all about having the right partners and the right people involved. So in Nebraska, I have a fantastic head coach. Uh, he coaches Bellevue University. My GM, Jordan, is absolutely phenomenal. And then Aaron Champanoy, who uh, just left as head coach of Hastings, college, he ended up moving to Durango, but he's been actively involved as well. So having local talent there to be able to manage and then at, come to me for guidance. But I can tell you, being actively involved, um, I'm the shipping receiving department for uh, 
for the club shop, as as you well know, and yes. thank you for that. Uh, <laughs> but we'll talk it, about your merchandise here in a second. <laughs> <laughs> but but as far as as uh, the distance, it, it doesn't affect me at all. I'm used to used to being on a plane quite a bit. Um, you know, I got up to Nebraska quite a bit this year, and I expect to do more so uh, next season as well. But from a distance, you know, for me, it's all about the business of the game, the business model. Being an entrepreneur, I'm used to, uh, you know, getting the right people to do the job and letting them do it. Yeah. Let's switch gears a little bit and talk a little bit more about the Bug Users FC and kind of get a little context there. So the club itself, what league you're, you're in? The We just finished a season in UPSL. Okay. And so that is technically fourth level of the pyramid. Uh, we fall into what is really an amateur status. The reason in amateur status is because most of our players are collegiate athletes. Okay. So we had 12 colleges and universities represented on this season's roster. Uh, as an example, the uh, Creighton UNO match last Saturday, seven guys in that match uh, were on my roster this wow. past season. So, um, you know, my goal has been to be a community asset. And part of that is, is furthering the development of local athletes. And so to have UNO and Creighton athletes on my team, as well as other universities, Concordia was absolutely phenomenal this year. Uh, that's a small school just outside of Lincoln. You know, we had Hastings College, uh, Midland, etc. And so to have these on my roster, we're furthering the development. I had players at the end of the season tell me that this made a difference in their, in their career. Um, one thing to note is, is we had one player, uh, Aaron Onion, uh, who I sent over to England. So, shouldn't say I sent him. He actually was in Germany and asked me if I knew of any teams in England. So, he uh, he flew to uh, Bradford and he ended up spending a week training with them and uh, played in a couple of uh, amateur exhibitions as well. So, tremendous experience for him. And uh, you know it's kind of one 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 in a, once in a lifetime type things. Yeah. Uh, so he's, uh, you know, he's a good example of that. But you know the players that we've that we've had uh, on the team, the whole goal is to help develop their careers and and to really start focusing on the youth in Nebraska, the community aspect of the game, and more than anything else, I firmly believe that there's a culture of soccer, and to celebrate that culture. We're kind of facilitating that. A pint is part of it. Yeah. But really, it's it's great to sit around the table and, and talk about a game. It's even better to go support a team together. And uh, that's why the game's really taken off here in the U.S. Yeah, that, that niche you're talking about where you're kind of helping the development of college players. I've heard from several people that that's a very underserved uh, thing here in the United States. Has that been your experience? or, or So... Like, so here, so there are a lot of teams out there, and then it's very selective about which ones to go to. But, I mean, without us, I don't know if these guys even would have played some of them. And so I think, you know, it. I think that I don't believe that it's underserved. I think that it's underserved from a high level, meaning the program we put together in Nebraska was very well assembled. I had infrastructure. I had I had general manager, I had technical director, and I, I hired a coach, and I paid the coach well. And so a lot of teams will just, you know, assemble 
almost a Sunday league type team. And it's the level of competition as well. There are a lot of teams, hundreds of teams at this level. Uh-huh. The reality is, is that there are a select few that are able to take the collegiate athletes and give them a proper program. So next season, as an example, we're looking at helping the players find jobs. We're looking at helping the players get housing so that we so that they can play for us. We can't pay for any of that. Otherwise, they'll lose their collegiate status. And we're looking at helping them that way and really expanding the program. Yeah. Um, but that's where, you know, I'll use Chattanooga as a great example. Chattanooga, who's... Uh, I'm talking about the NPSL Chattanooga, by the way. Right, Chattanooga, Chattanooga <laughs> FC, not Utah FC. Yes, yes. Is what I think uh, what the nickname they've they've given the new team. I, th- I think that I think it's fitting, but uh, but but Chattanooga is a fantastic example. They have a turnkey program. They take care of the guys. They take these guys and develop them, and they've got local athletes on the team. So that's where you know, and even then, they're involved in the community. They've helped develop some futsal pitches, and. That's kind of the turnkey operation that that I I aim to be, and uh, you know that's where really with with what we can be at Bug Eaters, um, it is an underserved program. In Nebraska, it was absolutely underserved. We're the only one at this level in the state of Nebraska. Nationally, you'll get a lot of congestion, so there are a lot of teams. But um, you know, for us, you know. Building a building this program and, and helping the talent get to the next level, while embracing the community, helping them celebrate the culture of soccer. And one thing I'll add to this: I don't know if you're familiar with the Cooligans. Cooligans uh, know those guys well. They launched the tour in Omaha. Uh, I don't know if you knew this, but they were my sleeve sponsor this past season. So, okay. but those guys. Um, you know, want to celebrate the culture of soccer, and they're going about it with comedy. Um, you know, and and so that's where we kind of align with with those types of guys. But again, they're absolute proof that the culture of soccer exists. You are absolute proof that the culture of soccer exists. Uh, you reach out to me not knowing that I, I even live in DFW, and uh, you know, my first thing is is if we're going to do a, a podcast, let's sit down and have a pint and discuss the game. So. Yeah. I think that oh, people come together on that, and then from the standpoint of development of the game in the United States, newsflash: we didn't make the World Cup. Wait, what? <laughs> I, I think I think people are still belaboring that point. But so, how do we change that? Well, each one of us needs to really focus on what we can do, and it starts with the local community. I'm not going to go, hey, you know, we're going to be a pro team and we're going to go sign all these athletes. I'd rather be at the development level and see somebody go on to do something amazing, and it could be U.S. national team. It could be another national team. You know, UNO had a had a player who ended up playing uh, for for their inter, for their national team, and I'm confident that we're going to get somebody like that as well. Um, conveniently, we had a lot of English guys on the team, uh, which which was good because I could talk the game with them. But um, when you know, talk to them, do you switch on to a British accent? No, but I I do. Uh, I do use O U R instead of O R in, in when I'm speaking, and then and, and you know I say gray with an E instead of an A, um, but you know only natural. But you know as, as far as as far as where we're going, I think that the 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 teams like mine can embrace the community, can find the talent, and help develop that talent to the next level. Is it MLS? Is it Europe? Wherever it is. 
my goal is to have somebody go do something great. And I, I can tell you this, the team in, in, that I was involved with in England, we had Jordan Pickford at one point. He was on loan. But uh, this prior to me buying the team. Uh, but he's a great example. I think the non-league in England is what we have here in the U.S. Okay. It's just well-structured over there. But those types of players, the Jamie Vardys, they came through those levels. And I think the same is going to happen here in the U.S. And correct me if I'm wrong, it would be the, the USSF uh, that would be in charge of like making that structure more structured, like you're saying the England is? Or how does that get... For those of us who aren't familiar with the, the tiers, like how do... So U.S. soccer. U.S. soccer. U.S. soccer would be the one who basically outlines those tiers. And we don't have enough time tonight, and they don't have <laughs> enough beer for me to talk about this. But I mean, there are 40 craft beers on tap here. <laughs> but what I'll, what I'll say is this, is I, you know, I, I think ultimately people are going to have to work together for this thing to come together. But in the meantime... It's my responsibility to be the best team I can from a development standpoint, from making sure that we're taking care of, you know, the, the local supporters, taking care of the youth and engaging the community. And if I'm doing those things, I'm doing my part. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I could go into battles about this and that, fighting all the people. I just want the team to be successful. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's about the ball on it the field. It is because, you know, I mean, look, you know, this is... This is my way of giving back to my home community, and it's not cheap. You know, we're we don't make money. <laughs> you know, for me, it's me investing in something that's a hobby for the end result of, of building a program for the for the local community, for the fans, and for the players. You know, um, I've seen for years all the uh, Nebraska players at all the schools go out of state for all these other teams. Now we've got something in Nebraska that we can call our own. Yeah. Um, so you've owned teams in England and now and here in America. What are, what are some of the differences that you've noticed in owning a team there versus owning a team in the United States or that America that m people might not think about? So the structure in England is so intense. Um, the schedules over there, it's a longer season. Um, you know, the dedication over there is a lot more. My season here is really 90 to 120 days. There, 90, 90 to 120 days is the off season. And so, you know, one thing I think Americans need to appreciate is the quality of the facilities we have in the U.S., a lot of stadiums in England, newsflash, are a dump. Even yeah. some of the top-level stadiums are a dump. Um, and it's not its not like Wrigley before it was fixed up. It's, they're a dump. And so I think when people here complain about facilities, they need to look and see what they have. I know one of the biggest complaints is, oh my gosh, it's got American football lines on the field. And you know what? Those facilities, they would absolutely die for in England. Um, but, you know, the difference is, is that I think, you know, England has the Premier League and it's been such a good league uh, that has hurt the lower level teams. The attendance has just collapsed because it's easier to stay at home or at the pub and watch Chelsea, Champions League, Man U, Liverpool, etc. 
And I think here we're starting to see local teams gain a lot of traction. So if we can get everybody together, get on the same page, I don't care if it's whatever the, the league is, but if we can all get on the same page and have a, an aligned goal, we're going to be one of the best teams in the world. Uh, you know, England has done a fantastic job. They did great, and if you saw their team, it was a bunch of young guys. These guys all came up through the academies and developed. So I've been involved in building an academy over there, and it's amazing how engaged the youth is now. 2015, when I you know first invested, it it was there, but it's not like it is today. And I think the United States has the opportunity that if they can all get on the same page, and again, I don't want to go down this path, but people need to get on the phone and, and figure it out. There are too many self-interested people out there. And if we can build community assets, I mean, we've, we've got teams here in DFW outside of FC Dallas that do a fantastic job of, of engaging the community. Um, here in Texas as a whole, you know, um, San Antonio's done a fantastic job. I'm excited to see what's gonna happen, you know, in, in Austin. I love seeing the game here in Texas, and I know uh, there's some issues with that, but at a minimum, you've got the Austin Bold who's gonna come in, it's gonna be another outlet. I believe yeah. that Dallas could use a second team in downtown Dallas to embrace the Hispanic community. So it's really, if, if we can get organized, and that's the big difference, is you have the FA, which is watching everything over there. Here you've got multiple governing bodies who loosely follow things. Um, there are too many teams. And I think that we have, one difference I have found is this, is that in England, the teams are all owned by entrepreneurs. I think that there's a mistake here in the U.S. with some of these pass-the-hat teams that call themselves, you know, X level. I think that that's a mistake because it's a misrepresentation and it leads to issues. It leads to issues from that you've got competing leagues. You know, it's all about what's, what's the buy-in for this league. And if you're looking at a buy-in and, and that's, the call, that's your barrier to entry, you're not in, you're not in the right business. I get that it's exciting for everybody to own a team at some at some point, but it's really about doing it right. And I can say that about England. Every one of those teams, regardless of the level, does it the absolute best that they can. And it's not cheap. And most of those teams lose hundreds of thousands of pounds. Um, you know, and so one thing I like about England, I will add this to, to your question is, a big difference is this, is that the academies over there are funded by the government. They will pay for you to have students. They will pay you for an education program where it's a formal education program, and then the trade is, is football. So that's the trade that they're learning. And so they will fund those academies. And what's happened because of that is you're starting to see a lot more players develop. So instead of saying, you know, you're going to drop out of high school and go, you know, chase the dream. They're funding it to keep to keep the education there. So I see a lot of changes over there that I think if the U.S. can align, it's going to be absolute dynamic here. Yeah. So you mentioned um, that the teams over there lose hundreds of thousands of pounds. Like, so how do how do they stay afloat? And they just because put, every they, one of the every one of the team owners is an entrepreneur. Okay, so they take their outside money and put it. So what they in, do is they use it for a tax loss. Okay. Yeah. So 
I mean, it, it, it's a tax loss. As an example, bug ears. I'm going to get a tax loss from. I'm going to get a ta tax loss from it, and I don't like losing money. But product that I've put out there is changing things, and so over there, it's hundreds of thousands of pounds, even at the fifth and sixth division. And so it's getting more and more and more competitive over there. Um, the fan bases are getting smaller and smaller and smaller. So you have salaries going up, budgets, you know, player budgets going up, um, and, and the fan base retracting. And so they're using these academies as ways to recapture the youth. And I think that we do have a lot of parity here in the United States. I would have put my team against anybody. You know, we we played PDL, we played NPSL, and we were competitive. Um, you know, USL, we would have we would have lost, but I think it would have been a competitive match. So those are the things. Those are the things that I see as, as some of the differences. And um, you know, the way that they funded is again, they have businesses here again. That's the difference I was talking about earlier, where some of these pass the hat teams, where it's like, hey, if we can scrape together 5,000 bucks, I think we can have a team. And yeah. I, I don't think that that's doing anyone a service, because guess what happens? A lot of these teams are charging their players to play for them. If you're not paying the, the way, paying for the buses, paying for the uniforms, I, I think it's I think it's a bad business model for these guys. Um, yeah, it doesn't know, these sound guys, good for anybody. These guys are these guys are giving you their time to play the games. In return for that, you should be investing in them. Because the whole point of this investment is to help further their soccer career. And um, but that's really the difference is entrepreneurs over there. Um, I did this again because I'm an entrepreneur right. and I can fund it. And so it's something I absolutely want to do. And so I'm following a very English approach to it. From the standpoint of, I want everything to be as best as it can. Um, merchandise. I want everything to be absolutely spot on. I'm not going with cheap T-shirts. I'm not going with cheap scarves. I'm not going with cheap hats. I'm going with the with the good stuff. And um, and you know, building building a brand and building a following. But if if you're just skirting by, if you're just trying to do this because you want to claim that you own a team, I don't think that that's the right path. And so I do think that there's a need for contraction or organization at this level where, um, you know, the state leagues need to need to jump in. We have an absolutely fantastic relationship with Nebraska State Soccer Association, mm -hmm. which is, which is, you know, we are so fortunate there. And, um, you know, Nebraska has a fantastic state league. And so I see, you know, a lot of these guys jump out of state leagues into some of these leagues and really, you know, I think that there there should be standards rising a little bit to make sure that we're not watering down the product and diluting it. Gotcha. All right. So you mentioned your merchandise again. I'd like to just kind of switch and talk about that a little bit. Um, so, A, fantastic job. Like, this is some of the best merchandise. Like, Thank you. You have this tractor shirt, and I'll probably I'll link to it in the show notes. Uh, but it is it is a, a picture of a tractor, and in Russian text and font, it says tractor. And it is by far my favorite soccer shirt I've seen in a long time. And I, I've kind of raved about it on Twitter. Uh, bugged, bugged Jonathan here about it, but so sorry about that. <laughs> no, it's, that one's funny because uh, I do all the fulfillment myself. Um, 
I tend to be a perfectionist when it comes to all this stuff. And so I do. So if you order something from the club shop, I'm personally packing it, sending it off. And if it's late, I apologize. That's why I say you allow me up to 10 business days because I travel quite a bit. But um, the tractor shirt, I was in the middle of fulfillment on a Saturday. And uh, I saw, you know, some guys doing some World Cup homages. And I've always kind of liked the communist uh, propaganda type, uh, you know. Like the the the, hammer uh, and sickle and the CCP. Yeah, 3CP, you know, the uh, uh, Nikolai Volkov kind of stuff, you know. And so... So the tractor's been just a, a great thing for us. And uh, so I just thought to myself, what could it be? And I knew exactly what I wanted. And so uh, found uh, found the block font. And I could have done it in Cyrillic, but I thought it was more meaningful to have the backwards R's and the giant block. Um, but now the, and on the tractor, um, just for the record, uh, my grandfather, had that model of tractor in, well, Lincoln, cool. in Lincoln, Nebraska. So I grew up going to Lincoln to see my grandfather and riding the tractor. So oh, that's cool. Um, it's a nod to the agricultural history of, of the state of Nebraska, and it's absolutely unique. So yeah, and it means it means something to you very personally. Yeah, absolutely. And and you know we've we've made friends with some guys over in uh, Hamburg, and uh, there's a supporters group for St. Pauli, which is a club I really really like. Yeah. Uh, called Tractor St. Pauli, T-R-A-K-T-O-R. And so we've exchanged some swag with them. But um, all the designs I've come up with, um, you know, we've come up with some good stuff. I think I think that simplicity goes a long way. Most definitely. I think that uh, unique designs, you know, we, we've done some fun stuff. And, you know, the, the legacy hats have been a big hit. Um, those trucker-style hats... And, you know, I didn't go to some embroidery shop and say, what kind of trucker style hats? I went to Legacy, who manufactures the hat. And I said, here's what it is. And they're like, well, the minimum order is this. And I said, no problem. So that's why it's benefited me to be able to put the money behind it to get the larger quantity to get the best best quality stuff. Um, The New Era hat that we have on the website. New Era makes that hat. It's not an embroidery shop. That was a completely custom hat that we had New Era make. And if you see it in person, it's absolutely fantastic. Um, but all this stuff, you know, we're gonna we're gonna come out with some some new stuff. I've got a hat from Talisman, uh, which is you know based in St. Paul, Minnesota, um, and they do fantastic stuff. It's a flannel hat. Didn't sell it in the summer, uh, <laughs> but I'm definitely gonna sell it uh, this fall. And it's uh, it says BFC on the front of it. It says Farm to Pitch on the back. Great stuff. And so I'm really proud of the merch because it's all stuff that I would wear. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've been collecting soccer kits since 1990. And so I've always liked stuff over the years. And so years and years and years of kind of deciding what I liked. Um, the kits this season, I designed those. We sold a ton of them. We sold 300 plus of them. Wow. Um, what's, your, what's your average attendance at the games? You know, the high was 700. Low, I would say paid attendance was about 300. So a high percentage of of the the people there. I guess if they, not everybody that buys it goes to the games, but still, like if you think about it that way, a lot way, of jerseys there. Yeah, um, a lot of jerseys there, a lot of tees. And I, I can tell you this is that you know our average 
it's all 400, 400, 500, which season one is, in my opinion, it's a good thing. You know? Yeah. And we, we, uh, we had a high school stadium that, you know, we don't even have an ongoing agreement with that we just said, here are the dates we need, and they, they worked with us. The only they, There's only one date they couldn't get, and we played a game in Omaha, and that was fantastic, too. But, uh, but you know, it, I, I, again, this isn't a, this isn't something where it's, you know, I just want to throw it together and get it done and try to sell some shirts. Yeah. I want everything to be as professional as possible. So when, it shows. You, when you look at it, it, it emulates top-level club here in the U.S., yeah. Um, you know, we've sold, I sold, uh, sold something to somebody in Alaska this week. And so we get orders almost daily and it's exciting for me to see people want, want this stuff. Uh, and you know, the tractor T was a, was a limited edition. We still have some of those left. Um, I'm going to see if I can get one for you <laughs> in the size you want, but I'm uh, a big boy and you, you but, sold out uh, quick. <laughs> it would likely come from my personal stash. Uh, but, uh, yeah. But we've got uh, we've got some good things planned, and for me, what was important was getting the name out, yeah, and, and it looking good, yeah. Um, you know, if you if you look at the jerseys, everything is done in contrasts, and colors like that, and that's just from me being critical of jerseys over all the years. Right. So I heard a quote. Um, it was kind of I talked about it with one of the other owners that I've interviewed. And I want to see whether the, this quote rings true to you or, or how, whether you think it's something that's detrimental, uh, detrimental way to think about things. But like the quote is, we're a soccer team half the year and a merchandise retailer the rest of the year. What, what, are, you, what are your thoughts on that? So I can tell you who said that quote. Okay. Okay. Sean Mann said that in Chattanooga. Okay. And so what's funny is that I've heard multiple variations, but it was... It wasn't half the year. It was uh, Sean said, uh, and Sean Sean owns Detroit City. Okay. So he said, you know, for four months out of the year, we're a soccer team, and for the other eight, we're a t-shirt company. Okay. And to be honest with you, I I like that quote because it's kind of funny. But the truth is this: is that I, when you before you walked in, I was talking to my GM, and so we're preparing for next season, and so. From the standpoint of the reason that he said that is because he's looking to create an extended season. And everyone at this level is trying to figure out a way to extend the season. I'm looking at it from the standpoint of, you know, I'm going to be working on the game regardless of what happens. So um, had a call today with you know, Nebraska State Soccer. Um, so we're, we're constantly working. And so it's not like I, I have, you know, eight months and then I go, uh-oh, the season's here for four strenuous months. Right. But, um, you know, for me, I'm always working on trying to get better. There are a lot of things that we did well. There were a ton of things we messed up. And um, we're aware of all the things we, we want to improve every yeah. single time. And, and so uh, Jordan, my GM, will tell you, that uh, I tend to be a little bit of a perfectionist, but regard in regards to the quote, love the quote. I, you know, listen. I hope that that's not the case, because I'm going to have to go get somebody to do the fulfillment full time, <laughs> uh, because my my companies will begin to suffer. <laughs> um, so you mentioned that you've done some some things wrong. 
Let's talk about maybe some of the things that have been challenging to you and specifically in regards to the teams that you've done here in America. So like, what are some of the, the, the challenges you've experienced? Challenge is always engaging the community, going in and engaging the community and getting them to buy in. Immediately, bug eaters took nationally. We have so many fans and I can't, you know, I'm so thankful that we have, have fans on, on a national scale and globally. Um, but you go into a community and it's a little bit of a, you know, politics game. You got this youth program and this youth program and they don't get along. And then who are you coming into my town and what's your intention with this team? And so a lot of that was, was a challenge. Um, from a sponsor standpoint, we had some tremendous sponsors. It was very limited in who we had because the answer I got was, you guys will be done in a season. This is how it's always been. And I'm like, I don't think you get it. Um, so those were some of the challenges. I think from the fan engagement standpoint, um, we got a lot of a lot of complaints. And a lot of the things were things that, you know, we were, we were addressing. A lot of it was a lot of fluff. You know, the people at the, you know, I, I forget about going into kind of the public eye and how people want it the way that they want it. And if you don't do it that way, then they get upset. But those were some of the challenges we had. But for every one of those challenges, there are positives. I mean, if you ask any of the guys on the team, they'll tell you it's a fantastic experience. Um, the match days, we could have done a much better job on that. It was because it was tough to get a stadium in Lincoln. Mm-hmm. It's it's been that's been the biggest challenge that I've had is getting a place that we can call home and something that we can have an, on an ongoing basis. Um, you know because uh, you know the stadium we have can cancel us at any time, and so yeah. it's tough for me to schedule out and have a team come in that's driving four to six hours and we could potentially have to cancel that day. So those are some of the challenges that I've had. Um, you know, from a fan standpoint, uh, you know, it's it. We we had some bad weather days. We had one game that was delayed ninety minutes, and we had some amazing fans that stuck it out and didn't want to miss it. And then we had some days that it was hundred degrees outside. And so, so those were some of the challenges that you, you expect in the summer. But um, we did the best we could in the community. Um, from a cost standpoint, there were some significant budget overruns on things that I should have known. And, uh, you know, we spent a lot on travel. And I think that a lot of that was a little bit needless. There's things that we, we can absolutely improve on. So we learned from every mistake that we made. Um, but we celebrated every success that we had. Uh, you know, and I think that's where we finished the season. We didn't win the division, but I got to tell you, season one being as competitive as we were and beating a PDL team and then, you know, drawing against two, two PDL teams, it's absolutely fantastic. But, you know, the, the community challenge of kind of being the outsider would be top of my list. Okay. Um, and then stadium, absolutely. I mean, in this game, it's, everybody's trying to find a home. 
and your your kind of mercy for the mercy to the, uh, the public schools, the city, etc. You you mentioned you you celebrate the successes. What is the thing that that has been you've been the most successful in that has you've been the most proud of? For the bug eaters, I'm assuming. <laughs> uh, we'll start with the bug eaters, and if you wanna, if you wanna move on, and we're we're talking let me, soccer let, here. Let me know. kick let me kick it off with this. Yeah. I told my wife I said I'm gonna go buy a team in England. She's like, yeah, okay, and I did. And so, so from that standpoint of being able to accomplish that, do that, have the FA sign off on you, have a team that's playing in the FA Cup, that's a huge success. That's exciting. But as far as bug eaters. The fan that the fact that I'm making fans nationally, the merchandise success, you know, the brand. We, we may have may have seen Rob Stone's tweet this week, and so he he was wearing one of our uh, uh, training shirts, and uh, you know he's been fantastic. He's a huge supporter of of the game at this level because he gets it. Yeah. And so, but stuff like that's a huge success for me. Having the Cooligans come to Omaha to see the culture there. Um, and to and to see you know Nebraska as a whole, stuff like that, or, or meeting a guy like Jay Riddle, who's Atlanta United fan number one, and having him come to Nebraska to hang out to do this stuff, those are all huge successes. Um, to get through season one, and to have the following that we have, to have the recognition, and to know that it all came from me from an idea, that's the biggest success. So I would say the team as a whole, all the components of what we've had, the fact that we have a community there that is embracing us, and I can see it starting to go on an uptick, that they're going, these guys are here to stay. Those are all the successes. The single biggest success for me this season, um, I'd have to say, is being able to launch a team and to have actual fans and that's not just in Nebraska but nationally and, and the reception of, of the logo and, and what we stand for and um, you know and, and a lot of the a lot of the teams at this level have become friends that I, I, I talk with all the time and keep up with and, you know but I, I would have to say it's it's difficult to pick out one sure but as a whole, the Bug Eaters brand is is my number one and the reception that it's had with the community. Very awesome. All right, well let's um, let's call time on this and let's let's go get another pint. It sounds good. All right. Thank you so much, Jonathan. All right, thank you. Thanks again, Jonathan, and thanks to the Thirsty Growler in the Colony, Texas, for hosting us. Everyone go check out BugEatersFC.com and at BugEatersFC. Jonathan's personal Twitter is at Jonathan Kalura, C-O-L-L-U-R-A. And if you like this episode, please tell your friends and please be sure to hit subscribe on your podcast app and then leave a review. Music for this episode was Avicii's Fade Into Darkness Instrumental Radio Mix. Take it easy, everybody. 